0: So, you obviously talk to a lot of first gen kids, people who want to be the first millionaires in their family. What's one piece of actionable advice in 2024 for anybody who wants to improve their money
1: situation? Pick a book and a podcast that you are going to listen to and read every single day. I don't care if it's one sentence or three minutes of the podcast, I want you to start fueling this fire inside you. At one point, that fire is no longer going to be dimmable. And that fire is going to become so big that you're like, oh my gosh, I am just itching to freaking invest. I'm itching to buy a property. I'm itching to start a high yield savings account. Whatever it is that feels the appropriate start for you, that's going to be so attainable through that fire.
0: You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazon, so if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Genesis, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here after meeting at FinCon, if I'm not mistaken, right? We met finally in person in FinCon. I had been following you for a while, and I'm just like, the stars have aligned for us to connect now at this point. So I'm super excited to welcome you to Yo Quiero Dinero.
1: Thank you so much. I know I was able to hug you and it was the warmest hug ever.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, it's always nice, like getting out into the real world and meeting folks who are supporters of the show. And that was really exciting. So yeah, let's do this. Let's start off with you introducing yourself to my audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yes, I am Genesis. I used to be poor, not anymore. And I share on all my socials exactly what I'm doing to become a multimillionaire.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think everybody that listens to the show has that goal. So let's start off kind of in the past. Tell me about your money story. What was it like growing up? What did you learn or not learn about money that you think has shaped your mindset around it today?
1: Early on, I had a pretty rocky childhood because my parents divorced, which was the intro to having financial struggles. And I noticed that we kept moving like just from place to place. And it was either because my older brother was a little rambunctious and was really struggling with the divorce, or it was because we couldn't pay rent. And so... Early on, I knew that the instability that we were facing was because of money. Okay. Were you raised by
0: a single mom or what was the situation like at home?
1: Yeah. So I was raised by a single mom and I have two other siblings. So a single mom of three. Don't know how she did that. My family is from Bolivia. And so she immigrated with my dad and then found out, hey, this isn't an appropriate situation for us to continue this relationship. And so she left. And so for a very long time in my childhood, I actually didn't see my dad for five years. There was so much resentment bottled up that's led to a lot of issues with myself, just mental health wise. But also I remember sitting in church when I was probably like nine, one of the church leaders asked everyone, we were doing an activity and she asked, write on this little piece of paper, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I immediately wrote on that paper, happy. Happy because it didn't matter the means of how I was going to make it be happy. It's more so I knew that I needed financial stability in order to be happy.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of us who are first gen kids who maybe didn't have the most stable financial foundations at home went out into the world as adolescents and adults, knowing like, I want to be a high achiever. I want to be successful. I don't want to struggle. And that leads us to, you know, different career paths that hopefully
1: give us some financial stability. So what was that journey like for you? I'm a big advocate for education, traditional education. I think it's one of the easiest ways to obtain as much knowledge as possible and to learn a ton about yourself. And so I pursued bachelor's degree in finance, actually. Throughout that process, I kept finding myself being interested in the tech industry. Eventually, I was able to land a job at one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And that has been, I would say, the stepping stone into my financial literacy. Essentially, at the beginning, right, when you on board, you're supposed to take advantage of all of the benefits. And big benefits that employers offer are 401k matching. Immediately, I didn't really know what that meant, but I was like, okay, like 7% of my income feels right. And that was the intro that I got to what it means to invest and prepare for retirement.
0: So, did you start investing like right after you started working in corporate? Yes, I did. How did you have the kind of wherewithal and just even the thought process to even start with that, right? Because so many of us, especially first gen kids that are the first to go to college and enter these
1: spaces, I mean, we don't know what the hell 401k is. So what gave you that advantage? I'll be honest, Denise, I am a doer. I gather as much information as possible until I feel even a little bit comfortable in just diving in. So, through my employer I receive like a financial advisor sort of conversation and I had our one-inter call. I asked some questions and something that she immediately helped me realize of whether or not I was going to do pre-tax or post-tax of my 401k investing. And she asked me this question that was really helpful. She said, Do you anticipate paying taxes, more taxes now or in the future? And boom, there was my decision. I anticipate making more money in the future. Therefore, I'm going to pay taxes today. Therefore, I'm going to do Roth 401k. Mm.
0: That kind of mindset of being a perpetual learner, I think, is such an underrated skill set because I think it allows you to approach the world in the lens of curiosity versus the lens of like fear. I don't understand this shit. I don't know what's going on. So I'm just not going to do it. So what do you think it is about your personality that makes you be that way?
1: I am a big proponent of growth, and I do not believe that the person I am today or the financial decisions I've made today are going to be the same decisions that I'm going to make in the future. And therefore, I knew, okay, I'm going to put this little 7% of my income, and as I gain more knowledge, I will change it because I can because I'm a big proponent of growth, I allow myself to, okay, this feels right right now. But in the future, when I have more information, I can make a different decision. I love that. So how has your approach as an investor
0: evolved as you have gained that knowledge? And Can you tell us a little bit more about how you've educated yourself in the financial realm? I know you said you have a degree in finance, but what I've talked to with a lot of folks who study finance in college is like, they teach you how to make a big old business a shit ton of money. They don't actually teach you how to manage your own personal finances.
1: You know what, Janice, I'll be honest with you. This started off when my husband had this burning desire to invest in real estate. At this time, I had a newborn. Every time I would put him down, my son, Benicio, I would put him down and then I'd come down to the kitchen. We lived in Boulder at this time. I'd come down to the kitchen. My husband's washing the dishes and he is watching financial podcasts. like He is just with the video versions and he was learning all about real estate that's what he was doing. And so essentially this started to fuel this fire inside both of us. We were like, oh my gosh, okay, now we have the funds. We had at the time, $12,000 to invest in our first house hack. And I'm sure you're very familiar with house hacks. It's basically when you rent either different rooms in your house or a certain portion of the house and the income generated covers your mortgage. And that was the first house we bought. It was the beginning, the itch that we essentially got. And so it's interesting because he was the one really like focused on it at the time. I mean, I was struggling through postpartum depression. Like I wasn't the one leading it, but it it fueled this fire inside me. And now I'm the one leading it. Wow. Wow.
0: How the tables have turned. I love that for you. Let's talk about that 12K that you guys had set aside. So it sounds like you were building what a lot of people call like an opportunity fund, this pool of money that you were just waiting to deploy when the right opportunity comes up. What was the impetus for creating that? Like, did you guys have money conversations as a couple that you're like, I know I wanna do something, let's put aside some money, or like, how did that
1: come to fruition? Because I grew up low income. I noticed that early on I had a desire to hoard money. And so whenever we were, it was a dual income household and therefore I started to invest my 401k and then the next thing was building our saving fund or our emergency fund. And so really it was, it came from a scarcity mindset of, I need to hoard as much money as possible. Let's try to live off just your income. Let's ignore my income. And that's really where it started. The beautiful thing about that is that because we, we didn't really know what we were going to invest it in at first, but we were still building it and now right when i save i think more so okay now how can i make this double whatever it is or triple or cash flow or whatever it may be i get to come from the angle of abundance over scarcity
0: yeah, I love that mindset shift that's required. The hoarding is very much like, oh my God, I gotta hold on to this versus the abundance is, well, I'm gonna deploy this out into the world and I know it's gonna come back to me multiplied. So let's talk more about your journey as a real estate investor. So you guys make this first purchase, you house hack. Tell us a little bit about like what that experience is actually like for folks who've never done it. What
1: platform did you use? What lessons have you learned? Share all the things you can with us. Absolutely. Right off the bat, you need to know what are you looking for. That's it. If the house that you are looking at does not meet your initial criteria, then you do not even consider it. What we were looking for was a separate entrance and our ideal house hack would be a basement apartment, essentially, or a mother-in-law. And so we were looking for a separate entrance so we wouldn't have to interact with the people coming in and out. We were looking for a bathroom and we were looking for a kitchen because most of the time. People, We knew that we wanted it to be a short-term rental because those typically generate significantly more income. But in case if like shiz hits the fan, you want to ensure that it's also uh, you have an exit strategy of using a long-term rental as well, which typically kitchens are pretty good for that. So we knew, okay, this is what we're looking for. And then we had to establish our budget. We knew that a lot of the time, certain people think, oh, well, someone is subsidizing our rent. Therefore, I mean, they're not gonna completely eliminate our mortgage, but it's better than nothing. And so then they go and buy something that doesn't fully completely eliminate that expense. So we were like, nope, we need something that's gonna be 430 and under. And we because we were putting like three percent down. It's funny when I think about it, but also insane. I didn't see the house in person before we purchased it. I want to say in Virginia or something, visiting my mom and Seth calls me, my husband. He's like, Genesis, I think I know what we're going to buy. I'm going to go check it out right now. It's like 9 PM. He's like driving around the neighborhood and he's like, I'm going to put down an offer tomorrow, Saturday and boom, boom, pow. (laughs) He, I asked him, Seth, do you even know if this neighborhood is like safe he finds a random person walking their dog and asks, is this neighborhood safe? They said, yeah, no problems here. And that was our first property. What's insane is, remember, I wasn't carrying this weight. My husband was. And he was getting night sweats. It was not cute. It's very stressful. And 12000 in hindsight, is it feels like nothing because we've grown financially. But it's a lot of money. When you're 24, it's a lot of money. Absolutely. So one of those things
0: you have to realize when you're doing something that you've never done, It's supposed to feel scary, y'all. Like if you're not feeling the fear, you're either like so numb that you probably should talk to a therapist because you probably aren't feeling anything. I always like to say like the feeling of fear is an indication that you are stretching yourself beyond your current capacity. And more often than not, that's actually a good thing. And especially when it comes to money, because there is always going to be some inherent risk with investing. That's just kind of what comes with it. And that's why we have the reward of whether that's appreciation of buying a piece of property, whether that is the interest that you gain on a stock portfolio, you're taking a risk, but without any risk, there will absolutely be no reward. None. So this is your first property, but you're actually a
1: multiple real estate investor now at this point. So tell me about that second property. That second property, man, I'm telling you, we talk about things on social media and definitely it's always a highlight reel, Uh, but I try to be very transparent that it's not really a highlight reel. It's taken a lot of work and we found out with this property, honestly, we didn't do our due diligence. So there were things that we found out that like the joists were, I learned what joists are, which is what holds like the floor of a house together. <laughs> and it was completely rotten. We had to entirely like demo the entire flooring and yeah, just a lot of things have come up but it has been an incredible learning opportunity for us and honestly it's made us 35 to 40,000 in revenue which is obviously like a great way to build wealth because we have that passive income over what period of time was
0: that revenue
1: generated a year wow okay a lot of people will ask well genesis how do you deal with the stress of managing a rental property that is in an entirely different state it's not in Colorado and I had the same questions. I met a few friends and you know how they say like you surround with yourself with people that you want to become. And I have these friends, she's actually seeking Alexi on Instagram and they have multiple properties. And I asked her the same thing, like, don't you, doesn't that freak you out? She's like, honestly, if you just have a really good handyman and a really good cleaner, you can do all of the things that like a property management company could do. And of course as well, so we rented out through Airbnb and we use the automated messages that go out. And honestly, easy peasy. There are some times where things come up and you're like, shoot. We were on a family reunion and something came up and Seth and I were like hella stressed for probably three hours. We figured it out. Everything's good. So definitely, just like you said, high risk, high reward.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you highlight the importance of having the right people around you. I'm also an Airbnb host. I have a property in Puerto Rico that I self-manage and that's it. It's having the handyman. It's having the cleaner. It's having eyes on the ground. I have folks in Puerto Rico who can absolutely pull up if they have to, just to see what's going on. But I think it's just important to be able to let certain things go and understand that shit's going to happen, okay? And that's kind of part of what it is when you are an investor, whether that is the stock market might have a situation because we have a pandemic. It's like, oh shit, like who could have predicted that? Or your freaking Airbnb floods because a once in a hundred year storm just shows up. And it's not even shit that you can plan for. So I think being able to roll with the punches and just having that backup plan, right? And having those emergency funds and having that CapEx fund for like when you need to do upgrades and things like, there are things you can do to prepare yourself so that even when you are confronting not so pleasant shit, it's not the thing that derails your journey. Yes, completely. So you have gone from doing this, investing, building your own net worth to now sharing this on social media. What made you want to do this? And can you tell us a little bit about what you think has led to you building an amazing community? Because you have an awesome community on social media. And I know there's a lot of folks who want to have that sort of impact, but they're not really sure.
1: Like, how do you go about putting yourself out there? You know, now that I've grew up low income and something that I found myself constantly talking about was that experience. I also remember lying in bed, my husband's dead asleep. And I was just thinking about all the people in the world and specifically in the United States that are low income and feel so stuck. It makes me emotional because it, it really is like the core of why I do what I do. The core of why I sit at my desk when I'm exhausted and share financial literacy content at like 10 p.m. But I realized that, oh my gosh, like people spend their entire lives looking for a passion and purpose and I have it right here, then and there. And uh, it started off by, I, my, my son uh, was sleeping, t- taking a little nap and I said, you know what? I heard about TikTok and I'm going to make my first TikTok video. And at the time it was one of those videos where you're like pointing and dancing and there's text. <laughs> It was so silly. I I like look back at it. I'm like, oh my gosh! It got like twelve thousand views. Like my first time, I was like, wow. Okay, maybe this could be a thing. And what happened was, I decided, like, I kind of let it go. I was like, okay, like I just forgot about it. We forget about things that we're passionate about all the time because we just have so many distractions. One day, I noticed I was sitting on the couch. And I was watching TV and a thought popped into my head. It said, why haven't you done anything about your passion for low-income communities? And the first thing that I said to myself was, as we all do, we don't have time. I almost felt like out-of-body experience because I was able to look at myself like staring at the TV and I said, you don't have time, huh? You don't have time. You're here watching TV. You don't have time. So at that moment, I decided no more excuses not having time is not an excuse. Truly it is about what you decide to prioritize. So that, that moment I got up out of the couch, went into my office. I made the commitment to post one video per day. Even if it was like quality or trash, I was posting once a day until I hit 10 K. And that started a uh, really now it's, it's just what fuels me. It's the way that I Communicate my thoughts out into the world the way that I feel seen, the way that I feel I am pursuing my purpose.
0: I love that. Just showing up for the people that you know you want to help can be such a transformative thing. And I've absolutely experienced that too with this podcast. I mean, I was just kind of like, who can I talk to about this stuff? Because my friends and family have zero interest in talking about investing or entrepreneurship. They're like, girl, what what are you talking about? I definitely followed the same path of just like, well, I guess I'm just going to go find strangers on the internet that care about what I'm doing. and, And hopefully there's some sort of impact. And here we are. So can you tell me more about your journey as a creator? Like, how
1: has it helped your own wealth building journey? At the beginning, I couldn't even fathom the thought that like me posting my cute little videos is going to result in money, it starts off really by building through consistency. And at the time it was once a day, every single day, it was exhausting. I did that for probably like a year and a half. And most recently I decided, Hey, okay, we care about sustainability and also resting. So what I decided is that instead of every single day, I'm going to do it three times a week. And so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I post, I'm not allowed to post other days because. I just need to focus on other things. And consistency was huge. What's interesting is that I've noticed that there are some creators that aren't monetized. And this is why I think some of them are not monetized is they are not family friendly. And that is a huge reason why I believe a lot of brands reach out to me is because I just don't curse in my content. I don't really talk about like very political things and they like that. Another reason is because I talk about so much variety, which allows brands to be like, okay, how can we loop this product into her organic content? And so the first time I realized. Dang, I could make big bucks with this. Was when I had twenty thousand followers, and small startup tech company wanted to work with me, and they paid me two hundred dollars. And at the time, I was like, "Ooh, okay, like this is pretty awesome." <laughs> yeah. And as I continued to grow, I just kept increasing my rate. If a brand was going to accept the rate, then why would the next brand? So I just kept increasing it, and up to now, my biggest brand deal for one video was seven thousand dollars. Holy shit,
0: that's like a rental property down payment, y'all. Like this is real money, <laughs> okay? This is what I tell people. I'm like the the folks who are out here saying like being a content creator is not a real career. Like I bought a whole ass condo in Puerto Rico with content creator money. So like, (laughs) let's stop playing games because that money was real as hell in my bank account.
1: Oh, yeah. Very real. I mean, in my PayPal, I have like 6000 from that's just sitting there that I need to transfer. And do you know how many people I had saying every time I would tell them, oh, like, I'm working on my social media, and they would literally laugh, thinking that I was joking. And I would look them straight into their face, say and just say no, like, it's serious. And you're gonna see and as soon they'll be like, how did you do this? Yes. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, oh, actually, I just started a business. You think I can, you know, I'm like, "Mm." yeah, consultation fee. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Would be happy to help. (laughs) Those people are no longer friends. Uh, Yeah, we don't need haters in 2024 or ever. So what's funny is it's not even like haters. It's truly, it's just people that don't believe. And what I realize is that you have to believe in yourself and other people, they're going to catch up. Yeah, it's so true.
0: I love that. I want to know how your journey as a creator has evolved over time. Like, what were you doing in the beginning that you're not doing anymore? I know you mentioned like not posting every day, giving yourself some space, but what about like some mindset stuff that maybe you've had to navigate as time has gone on?
1: At the beginning, I really found myself not focusing on what anyone else is doing. And I was having such a good time. I really didn't care to scroll and look at other people's accounts. And then kind of, I started falling into this trap where I would look at people's accounts and be like, Oh, well, what are they doing? That's different from me. And why can't I just like do this? And just a lot of comparison then it just feels like kind of a roller coaster then you're like okay i can't do this anymore then instead of looking at other people's accounts with like comparison it's more so admiration of wow they did a really good job why did i like that video and so actually using it almost as like research to understand what is the audience really wanting and liking and so i really do believe it cycles You sometimes like are feeling like you're on cloud nine, you're gaining followers, you have like so many comments, so much engagement. And then other times it just feels like crickets. But it's all really like a mental game. And I would say I would argue that that is one of the hardest parts of being a content creator is the way that it affects your mental health of like, you're putting yourself out there, what do you expect sort of thing. Most people they say, oh, when I record myself, they're like, I I cringe at just hearing my voice. I mean, here we're filming a podcast and that's just part of it. And it really is embracing the cringe. So I do believe that I've become stronger over time. And thankfully, one of the things I really don't care about is hateful comments. YouTube gets the worst on YouTube shorts. And I engage with them because it's a lack of an ability to communicate feedback effectively on their end. And so I ask them questions to help guide them because they're trying to say something to me that could actually be helpful. They just say it in a hateful way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I I always like to remind myself like engagement is engagement. Like if y'all want to go and argue in the comments, that's going to boost my content anyway. So I'm not even going to be mad about it. I'm not taking it personal. I'm like, I've actually seen how people losing their minds over something that I've put together actually like just helps the bottom line. And so it's like, you know what? Y'all can argue with me as much as you want. Sorry, not sorry. So let's talk more about your investing journey. So you are very transparent about the fact that you have gone from poor to not anymore. And your ultimate goal is to be a multimillionaire. What does that rich life look like for you? Like what's the ultimate vision and what are you doing strategically and tactically to get there?
1: I don't necessarily feel that my life will look that much different. Mm. I've looked around and said, I enjoy my life and I love what it is. The only reason why I say, oh, like multimillionaire is I want to buy a house in Boulder and I drove by it yesterday. Actually, yesterday night I was blasting my music and just having a good time and I drove by it. It's currently on Zillow. The Z estimate is like 3.2 million. The reason why I want it is it's this really old home. It's like six bedrooms, seven bath, massive. And when I think about, okay, why do I want it? Honestly, so I do triathlons. That's something that I haven't mentioned. And Boulder is like the Mecca of triathlons. And so uh, there's a lot of pools in the area. There's beautiful bike rides and there's like, like a huge community of just athletes And that's why I want to live there. So it's interesting because a lot of people think, oh, well, I want to do this and this and this and like I can do those things and that there's so much privilege in being able to really I can travel when I want. This is assuming my Nine to five lets me and I have PTO or whatever, right? So I guess not fully whenever I want, but that's where it's coming from. It's just this desire to buy this house. But really, I feel like I have everything that I could ever possibly need. I don't think my level of happiness is going to change with more money at this point. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think there's this idea that we always have to be working towards something better. And I'm very much a believer, especially like as I've kind of gotten to know all the different nuance that come with the financial independence movement, I firmly believe in creating the life that you want like now, even if you're not at that number, that net worth, that investment stock portfolio number, that number of real estate investments, like there are elements of financial independence that you can work into your life now, whether that is the ability to work remotely, have a more flexible schedule, giving yourself those elements that it's not like you're running away from a life, you're actually intentionally building a life piece by piece with what you're doing.
1: Yes. Yes. It really is about growth for me. I would be very unhappy if I said, okay, all done. I really just want to like, yes, grow my net worth. I see a therapist and I have coaches that are helping me become the best version of myself. I have like a behavioral therapist that helps me with my son when obedience is necessary and how to be able to communicate with him in a way that he understands as a four-year-old. So it really is about growth. And that at the end of the day, the fact that that's, what's motivating me and not necessarily, necessarily like money, I think is what makes it so successful. Mm -hmm.
0: So one of the things that I find really interesting about you is that you are working a nine to five job, but you're also doing the content creation thing. So have you ever encountered a situation where like your employer is like, what the hell are you doing? Or have you internally like battled with that of just like, oh my God, what if my job finds out about this? They
1: know. Okay. (laughs) How did they find out? We've got snitches in the history Oh, girl, straight up. Shit happened to me. That's hilarious. Right? They don't like to see people win. I just don't get it. And guess what? I work for such a large company that has so many. Basically, you don't get hired if you're not a go-getter. And so do you really expect these go-getters are going to be satisfied with their little nine to five? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Yes. I've gotten situations where I had to learn. I mentioned earlier about like a tech startup wanted to work with me, but that show, that's there's conflict of interest there. And therefore, I received a notification that, hey, like you can't be working for a t- because naturally there's just conflict of interest. And that was my first like kind of slap on the wrist of being like, okay, shoot, I can't be doing that. And so now with the brand deals, you'll notice that I take, they just do not relate to anything that my company provides in products or services. And so they know. And so anyone who's listening to this and is like, oh, I'm going to send this over to the company that she works for no, because they'll just say, thanks for letting us know, we already knew. Do you bother
0: like getting clearance at this point for brand deals or you just kind of know where the lane is that there's that separation and you're good?
1: Policies are very clear and you read them. And sometimes if I'm hesitant, I'll reread the policies. But yeah, I typically know.
0: I think it's a tough thing, right? Like to just feel like you might be putting... The thing that gives you that financial security at risk because you're pursuing this side passion. So, what advice would you have for folks who are kind of afraid to put themselves out there in that situation?
1: If I hadn't put myself out there, I wouldn't have the goal in 2024 to have over 10K months of already surpassing that. I wouldn't have, like, really, yes, the financial stability that I have now, but There's something that happens in your mind, like a flip of a switch where, yes, I can get laid off by my tech job, but guess what? I can't lay myself off, right? Like I get to make money and there's just this empowerment of my mind, my personality, my go-getting attitude. I can make money however the freak I decide I want to make money. And that is so empowering. And so to think that it all started with like a little freaking dancing of a song when pointing fingers, it seems so silly. But you know what? It's not silly when you're making money moves. Right. (laughs) I love that.
0: Okay. So you obviously talk to a lot of first-gen kids – people who want to be the first millionaires in their family. What's one piece of actionable advice in 2024 for anybody who wants to improve their money situation? I'd say
1: pick a book and a podcast that you are going to listen to and read every single day. I don't care if like it's one sentence or like three minutes of the podcast. I want you to start fueling this fire inside you. Because at one point that fire is no longer going to be dimmable and that fire is going to become so big that you're like, oh my gosh, I am just itching to freaking invest. I'm itching to buy a property. I'm itching to start a high yield savings account, whatever it is that feels the appropriate start for you, that's going to be so attainable through that fire. So a book that I really enjoyed was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And of course, because of growing up low income, it's really helpful to really see like these two extremes. And so if you're like, okay, I don't even know where to start. You know what? Start reading that book. Boom. Done. You don't even have to think about the making that decision of what you're going to start doing. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast, just keep listening. Like shameless plug, you know? <laughs> yes. One thousand percent. That's how it starts, Janice. It starts with just educating yourself. And I received a text the other day, my friend and I were talking about, how is it that people claim, oh, I'm reading, I'm learning so much, but then they don't take action. It's like, well, you know what? That knowledge is literally zero. It means nothing unless you take action. It's so true.
0: I think it's really important to continue to amplify voices that are in our community that can normalize the fact that these conversations should even be happening, right? Because for me, when I first found out about the financial independence movement, it was through people like the financial samurai or Mr. Money Mustache. It's like, okay, cool. Like, it's these white dudes making a ton of money in tech, living off of rice and beans. Cool. I've been living off rice and beans forever. It's not like a thing, but like where are the women, the women of color who are doing this too. And it wasn't until I started listening to the Journey to launch podcast by Jamila Souffrant that I'm like, holy shit. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Now I can start to see myself doing these things because there is a black woman here living in a high cost of living area who is a mom who is here like trying to do the thing that I didn't for a long time believe any of us could do. And so I think the work that you're doing is so important and I want folks to continue to support it, find out more about you, what you're doing. So tell us all the things, where can we find you on these internet streets?
1: You can find me on Instagram and TikTok as Genuinely Genesis and as well, my website, genuinelygenesis.com. Shoot me a DM. I love getting to know you and ask me a question. I respond to literally all of my DMs.
0: Amazing. And you are actually working on a book. Tell
1: us more. Ah, Denise, this book, I can't even tell you. It's going to be big. You know, when you have so much self-belief that it really is going to come true. I just know it. And so I'll put it out there. This book is going to be a New York Times bestseller. It's going to be in every single house with a child in it. I would say not necessarily a financial literacy book. I'd say it's more so a novel of short stories that encompass what it's really like to immigrate to the United States in the search of the American dream. I can't even tell you the burning desire and the excitement that I have for this book because it is going to make every single child that is currently low income feel seen and empowered. Wow. I have chills just listening to this.
0: I'm so excited for you. We are all manifesting all the energy for you to bring this to life. Genesis, I just want to thank you first and foremost for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for showing up when so many people choose not to because of various reasons, we need so many more voices who are just normalizing this idea that we deserve to be wealthy AF and that we don't have to be poor no more. So thank
1: you for no being here. More, baby. <laughs> Used to be poor, not anymore, baby. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Janine.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, The Ultimate Blueprint for Becoming Poderosa with Your Dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.